And welcome to episode 71 of Solid 60. It's been forever, a new record for the amount of time uh, in between podcasts. It'll probably happen again, hopefully back sooner with the next one. But yeah, I just honestly needed a bit of a break. I was feeling down. I hadn't worked for a few weeks. I wanted some event to discuss. I'd Nothing had happened since the lockdown. I think the name of the last episode is Lockdown Day 3. Now it's Lockdown Day, I don't know, 87. Um, but I'm actually back in work. I did do a couple of weeks at BevChain, um, delivering the old alcohol. The last shift was a bit of a doozy. I think it was 12 hours, yep. And three or four of those were at one site, doing it all by hand off the back of a keg truck, case after case, up a hill. And uh, I earned my money that day, and apparently it was the last day. I don't know why. I wanted to not come back until I had a reason, but apparently until... One of my friends returns there if they ever use him again as well. I'm not going to know because all my agency got was an email saying don't use this guy. And considering I was the only guy at all that they were using from any agency, I've got a feeling that's hopefully what it is. Just that they were not busy enough and cut all the agency workers. Though it is weird that they had been so slow that they were only giving one shift a week to their own permanent casuals. And yet they still threw me in for a couple of weeks and then suddenly from on high it was like yeah no that's it um, i don't know if it was the accident someone drove into me while i was turning left lovely old chinese woman not that race has anything to do with it just saying drove straight into the side of my truck uh, i don't know why it was on like basically a one-lane road down in rockdale somewhere like that and you know just some back street and i went to turn left to do a u-turn and she just tried to overtake. I don't know why the cat suddenly decided to speak up, but yep, hi. Silent as a stone statue until I start recording, of course. So that that's what happened. I had to ring up. And I was like almost tempted to just keep going because there was zero damage to the truck, of course. It's got these big white metal great uh, railing things on the side. Totally smashed her door in, her tail light. Like she just took herself out completely on it. Cars totaled an old Corolla it costs way more to fix it than get a new one so that's what's going to happen she had no clue what to do I was just like look give me a license blah 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 she ran over took a photo of the number plate of the truck and I was thinking yeah I don't want to have to pay out another car end up getting in trouble and like someone else at the agency had lost their job recently for doing exactly that paying out to the person that had an accident with the cost of a new car but then dragging it out so long and not even really giving them any money that the person complained, worked out who they were working for, rang up Bobchain and yeah, immediately that driver lost their job because, well, they hadn't reported it because what happens then is they bring in an external agency to do a drug test and probably a bit foolishly posted that on Facebook privately, friends only, but hey, I'd been to friends the night before, had a puff, or two of a joint she's using for bad back pain. I was like, yeah, I wanna, I'm not going for any interviews anytime soon. I thought work was picking up and completely forgot that they do the test if you have an incident. But what are the odds of the next day having exactly that, an accident, and uh, waiting for two hours for them to turn up, do a swab test, completely fine. But in that two hours, of course, I was a bit nervous, went for some advice online, didn't Google it, just went, hey guys, what are my odds? Um, and everyone's like, oh, get a new job. But one or two, I know regular pot smokers, like you'll be fine um, because I don't do it every day. I don't really do it at all. 
and they were right because I was completely fine and clear of that. But I have a feeling maybe someone screen capped it, someone with a grudge that's on my friends list, maybe a bit paranoid. Worked out from going back through old posts who I work for because I don't really have it officially on my Facebook profile, but you could probably work it out from um, various photos and things that I've shared. Yeah, I was a bit concerned about that, but either way. You know, apparently when they send the email they normally if there's a problem with that driver say why not to use them again or why they don't want them back but in this case it was just no we're done and yeah so that was a big hit to the ego considering how hard I'd worked and I didn't think I'd really had any major problems there and it took a while to find anything else while I was off because I had like six weeks off you know March April were pretty much dead it's now May nearly the end of May we're going into first of June when the pubs are reopening so that's only like a week away uh, not fully reopening um, they're only allowed 50 customers and they've still got to be like a certain number of meters apart so a lot of places won't even fit be able to fit the 50 in so who knows they might ring up again and go oh look we're busy we need you because Christmas and certain public holidays they get crazy but I somehow yes what gizmo why you wait till I start speaking does it weird you out that no one else is here and I'm just talking to myself and of course he's soaking wet and just wants to sit on me then he's right on that microphone I don't know if I hold the microphone up to him whether you can hear the pairing we'll find out later here's on my lap so we're going to do this somehow with the cat yeah so that was my concern and considering how hard it had been in the weeks off to find other work and I actually ended up going to Centrelink. I think I got one payment from them. Not much, but, you know, I had to get whatever help I could. Oh, yeah, and I got a little bit of super, 10 grand. So that helped pay off the credit card and things like that. And uh, I might need it to fix my car because that's screwed at the moment. The gearbox keeps dropping out into neutral and I'm just floating along on the M4 hoping I can get back into the slow lane until I can restart the car and sort of get it to work again. Big drama with Volkswagen there. They went in and I don't know if I talked about this, probably not, but they were like, yeah, it's going to be three grand for the part, another, say, two grand to install it and then you'll need a bit of more money for this and that and the other. So I was like, oh, Christ, I'm screwed here. I can't even with... That's a new car, basically. My car's not even worth that much to fix. Um, but I looked around and there was a guy in Gumtree that came over and in a mobile mechanic type thing and said, look, I don't think they're right about the mechatronic unit, which is a very fancy sounding name for a computer that controls the two clutches that are in the Golf. And uh, he said, no, I think they just misread the computer and that it found out that you don't have to get an entirely new mechatronic. He said it's more just the clutch that's on the way out he re-plugged the mechatronic unit back in after doing a test and it worked i was driving around from from not even being able to get it out of park after volkswagen gave it to me to um just a normal regular old drivetrain i was like i'm back uh, it worked for a couple of weeks and now i'm just screwed i'm you know breaking down left right and center so i messaged the guy today and hopefully soon enough i can get it over to his place to do a full new clutch and all that and It'll only be 1500 or so, a lot less than Audi, um, Volkswagen would charge. So just got to do what I got to do to keep going because I need the freaking thing. My new job is in Reesby, which is a good 45-minute drive on the best of days, and it's a doozy. So that's where I'm at. I got desperate and took this job. It's an MR truck. I'm by myself. I'm driving around just basically 
picking up all the clothes and toys that are left at charity bins, which sounds nice enough until you realize that's a good 50 to 60 bags at some sites. A lot of that is pretty gross rubbish. People are throwing... I was thinking today, you get to see the best and worst of humanity in this job, and it is a cutthroat Wild West business. There's other contractors out there that are dumping on your sites. I was told today to go pick up a bin and uh, from other competitors whose bin apparently was in the wrong place. They didn't have permission to put it where it was, but still felt a bit dodgy. But I basically was like, I need the money. So I grabbed the bin, threw it in the truck, and just drove it around until I found a park somewhere. But yeah, I've heard some stories. It's like, And the offsider I had for a few days before he went on holidays, just insane. Like the stories I could tell. Like, for example, we had some guy turn up and mention that he dropped off a printer. You're supposed to only, and I never really did charity bins, um, other than poking through some books sometimes. If I'm walking past one, there's usually a pile of crap out the front, which is part of the problem. You're not supposed to leave stuff outside the bin, but of course everyone ignores that and it turns into basically a giant tip. And then someone else will turn up and go, oh, I want to see what's in that bag and this bag and that bag, and it all gets spread out 20 metres either side of the bin, just piles of clothes in the dirt. It's and that gets wet when it rains and other stuff gets tracked through it and it's just gross. But basically this guy was driving away by the time I mentioned that he'd dumped a printer because I was like, I don't think that's any good. Like there was no cables with it. It was just an old brother printer somewhere on the ground near the bin. And uh, so he runs after the guy, stops his car, starts taking photos of the number plate. The guy gets out and he tears him a new one, this poor old Russian dude, drags him over to the bin, starts shouting at him like, can you read this? What does it say? And you know, there's a sticker on the bin saying, don't dump anything. And it's a $2,000 fine, which of course is totally unenforceable. Like I don't think they've taken anyone to court. You apparently need video from start to finish of them dumping. And then the amount of money it would cost them to get lawyers and do that. Like they're really in a hard spot. I feel sorry for these business operators because the margins are super thin. The only real money you're making is from selling uh, rags which is what this place is called a cleaning cloth group or whatever I'm not going to go all the way into the name I'll, I just don't think it would be useful at this point as much as I'm sort of ambivalent about the job um, I'll try and keep its exact company name out of it for now because god knows I can't trust anyone anymore probably just being paranoid but hey so yeah I just saw this guy keep shouting louder and louder and louder at this old Russian dude who clearly couldn't could barely speak English, let alone read it. And that's what he ended up saying. Like, oh, sorry, my English, no good. And the dude's just like, hey, what does this say? Like he was some kind of uh, frustrated drill instructor. And yeah, eventually I was just like, dude, let's go. He just said, look, I've had enough. And I kind of get it now after, I would never go to that degree of madness. But after spending a couple of days picking up crap that shouldn't be there, it, it yeah, it's pretty frustrating. But there's a lot better ways to deal with that. Just the guy eventually picked it up again. And I would have just said, yeah, dude, you can't leave that. Just put it back in your car. And I've done that with one or two people. I was at a site yesterday on a Sunday. God, what a nightmare. It took me 12 hours to do what was supposed to take five, apparently. I don't know how these superhuman freaks do it. I think they're just completely skimming and not doing proper jobs because I'm like a bit ADD or OCD or whatever and just have to get every last piece of rubbish in the right bag and you know just spending hours combing through this stuff and making sure it's all in the right 
you know, divided properly and it's just pretty depressing stuff. I mean, it's, it knocks me back down to when I was basically picking up rubbish for Sydney City Council and it just kind of reminds me about the mistakes I've made and been like, never going to do that again. Apparently, uh, news jobs going online. I just got an email today from Indeed or whatever it's called, Seek. So I was like, oh, I have to get home and jump on there. I feel bad for the company because if I go, like the last 10 drivers that left after a month, uh, they're in a bit of a hard spot. But it's like, pay more. $25 an hour is just minimum wage. And apparently the van drivers get even less. 23, the dudes in the warehouse, 22. Yeah, I tried to talk to a few today and it was like, whoa, English, not their first language. But even on that, it was like pulling teeth, trying to get them to say anything. Like I'm basically learning on the fly the boss is kind of not very hands-on so i'm like yeah uh dude what do you want me to do with this and with that and yeah not getting a lot of help yeah there's pros and cons to that i'm kind of left to myself which is great because i can just go and do my thing once i know what i'm doing but in the beginning it's it's a little janky because i'm just like oh i guess this seems like the right thing to do but i'm just hoping that i don't completely fuck things up and then find out the hard way when guys are like oh how could you do that well no one told me any other way We'll work it out. And I just, I'll keep looking for other things and I can't see myself staying here for very long. But for now, it's going to keep me from being homeless. I, I don't, at least there's that. Like, I don't have to worry about being on the dole. I think you'd have to try pretty hard to get fired from here. The last guy that was fired, <laughs> they'd found a water pistol in one of the charity bins. He started waving it out the window of the van. They were pretty quickly pulled up by the cops, dragged out at gunpoint and asked where the water pistol was uh, at this point the cops just figured they were random terrorists just driving around western sydney aiming it at people for some reason they'd thrown it out the window i think a motorist had yelled at them for it and wisely they got rid of it but not soon enough to prevent people calling the cops and yeah just all this sort of drama and the guy so they tested him of course for <laughs> drink and drug driving and what do you know he tested positive for at least one substance so yeah he had to go yeah i don't think i'll be doing anything like that anytime soon so just gotta keep my head down and bringing home the meager amount that i can make and hope for something better one day i've been talking to lewis more which is good got him an uh, ipad type thing so it's got all the it's costing me a fortune because i'm paying like 150 dollars a month now for my phone bill and that's basically 90% of that is his tablet and all the streaming services that are on it. It's like this unlimited internet thing. Yeah, he's enjoying it. He's playing games that I'm downloading for him on the PlayStation Network. Red Dead Redemption 2, I've been getting into that lately. He's uh, really enjoying it as well. So we're trading stories about that. So that's kind of nice. I still can't quite get my head around Fortnite. So I'm not probably going to be joining him on that anytime soon. But we'll, we'll find something to... I know you can go online and play together on Red Dead. So that would be really cool to do. I don't know how we'd set that up because it seems really hard to talk in real time. But he's young. I'm hoping in a year or two we can start hanging out more, just do our own thing. And yeah, I need more legal advice on how I'd go about that. So on the to-do list for sure. Anyway, that's 20 minutes of catch-up. I'm going to move into the few articles that I had ready. A couple of articles, one, two, and three on the Dunning-Kruger effect. I'm hoping there's not a lot of repetition I don't know why I couldn't just pick one. I haven't read them. We're just going to see who comes up with the best explanation. Because uh, I think I did skim them way back when, months ago, finding them after some online debate about the subject. Or at least I'm still arguing on Facebook with idiot Trumpers, but I'm trying to 
cut down a little bit. Still post the occasional Trump destroying meme or right wing takedown. Yeah, I'm trying not to get involved in like hour long back and forth discussion unless it's someone who can somehow stop themselves from turning it into an all out scraping the bottom of the barrel playground insult ad hominem bullshit attack that if you can actually talk about the issues and go to sources and that's yeah where it becomes possibly a bit more interesting but yeah this first article is from the business times and i never heard of them but they look fairly well put together and the article is written by Layla Lai. it's a nice alliterative name uh in may last year and let's go there's a nice little infographic at the top. I'm not really going to explain, but if you Google not-so-blissful ignorance, the Dunning-Kruger effect at work, you'll find it. Many of us have surely encountered an acquaintance or relative who, upon learning of our occupation, proceeds to badly advise us on how to do our job, despite having no relevant experience in the field. Or maybe you have a colleague who has all the self-confidence of an expert, even though his peers know he would flounder if made to work on a project alone. What these individuals are experiencing is a cognitive bias called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Named after David Dunning and Justin Kruger, the two researchers who first described it in 1999. Ah, didn't know it was that new. It's explained by Dunning as a phenomenon in which people suffering the most among their peers from ignorance or incompetence fail to recognise just how much they suffer from it. In other words, people can be unaware of how bad they are at some things because they do not often have enough relevant knowledge to judge their abilities accurately. Unfortunately, this also means that we all suffer from the effect in some aspect of our lives and are simply oblivious to it. The experience of dealing with someone with the DKE can be mildly amusing at first, but quickly becomes annoying and frustrating, especially in the workplace. At worst, the DKE can participate the downfall of entire companies if those in leadership positions are the ones suffering from it. While most instances in the workplace may not have such dire consequences, the widespread phenomenon has intrigued researchers who have tried numerous tactics to manage it, including social comparison, incentives and factual feedback. But all these resulted in various unsatisfying degrees of success and a surefire solution has been elusive. For example, participants were asked to compare their performance on a grammar test to those of others and to use the information to refine their self-assessments. Researchers found that top performers, who tend to slightly underestimate their grammar competence relative to others, would adjust their personal ratings to reflect the reality presented by their performance compared with those of their peers. However, poorer performers stuck to their optimistic self-assessments even after observing how higher scorers performed on the same test. In an article on the DKE for social science publication Advances in Experimental Social Psychology, that's a nice mouthful, uh, Dr. Dunning observed that a poorer performer's lack of grammar knowledge could hamper his ability to recognise a better approach to the test when he saw one, making the comparison exercise less useful for measuring his own performance. In another study, participants in a study who were promised $30 if they could guess their raw scores on a logical reasoning test within 5% of their true score, $100 if the estimate was exactly right, were no more accurate in their self-assessments than others who were given no incentive to make their estimates more carefully. Meanwhile, providing factual feedback such as raw test scores produced mixed results. When showing their performance on tests for emotional intelligence, a key quality for managers, top performers accepted and readjusted their self-assessments, which were usually underestimates, to match their results. However, 
The remaining participants would often find ways to downplay their lower-than-expected scores, such as by saying the tests were inaccurate or irrelevant to their work or success, and retain their conviction that they were more competent than they actually were. Part of the difficulty lies in human nature, which leads people to defend their abilities and self-esteem when presented with evidence of their shortcomings, and to dismiss or reframe negative feedback to suit their worldview. Confronted with his consistently bad sales performance, a salesman could argue that his clients tend to be unusually difficult to convince, for example. The effect could also be stronger when people are in a situation where it benefits them to feign a higher level of knowledge. It suggests Assistant Professor of Organisational Behaviour Andy Yap. If you're hired in a role where you have to deal with a client who is completely outside your industry, you may have to put on a show. You already know what you're doing. Employees who pretend too much sometimes will fake it till they make it. They never make it. And they continue to be unaware of that. If they have done it for a long time, this effect is going to be stronger on them because the cost of revealing the truth is going to be higher. It's a sunk cost. And so they would rather like to keep up the pretense. He adds that honest negative feedback is becoming a rarity nowadays, contributing to a lack of accurate information about one's abilities. With parenting these days, people often say things like, you need to say positive things and be politically correct. You shouldn't be revealing weaknesses. But if we don't reveal weaknesses, we never improve. We will never know what the reality is. This is uh, longer than I expected. I don't know if I'm going to read all three. <laughs> How much night do I have? Because it's already six o'clock and uh, I've got a long day tomorrow. Human resource consultants have found their own ways to deal with the DKE, although they don't quite call it that. Jules Yim is a senior consultant at a boutique management consultancy, Cognitive Edge, pretty cool name, and her work straddles academic research and its practical application in business. She explains that while the term describes a behaviour that does exist, academic research on the topic still lacks the level of clarity or confidence that would make the DKE practical for use in consulting. It's still so controversial because it's not a science per se. You can't say that this person has displayed behaviour A at this point in time and will always display behaviour A at certain intervals over and over again. That's scientific experimentation and humans are not scientific experiments as much as we would like them to be. In my opinion, that's why it's not more widely used. She compares it to the Myers-Briggs type indicator test, which have become popular as a standard HR procedure. It's fun to take the quiz or test, but it's reductionist. It fulfills the human need to put people in neat little boxes without wanting to acknowledge that humans are messy, complex, and have various facets and identities, and that their identity in the workplace as a worker or subordinate is just one facet of their lives. Bain & Company partners Peter Slagged and management consultant Li Xiu Ling prefer to treat such behaviour as unawareness of one's actual abilities instead of using that term. Uh, DKE Dunning-Kruger. Reframed with that perspective, the goal becomes to educate rather than berate. Their approach is backed up by research analysis of the DKE. Dr Dunning wrote, if bottom performers misjudge themselves because they do not have the intellectual resources to judge superior versus inferior performance, one has to merely provide them with those resources. That is, one way to train incompetent people to recognise their incompetence is to rid them of that incompetence. The way this education is delivered is key. One may find that giving purely factual feedback and pointing out errors results in defensiveness, even if the person was originally willing to be corrected but sugar-coated feedback may not make an impact either. You need to start from a place of kindness, where you believe that everybody's doing their best, and this person probably just doesn't know 
their limitations. With this attitude, one can be frank about an employee's performance or helping them see the benefits of improving. There should be no judgment in the whole process. If you have judgment around the situation that the other person is in, the person will feel that judgment. Likewise, they'll feel the compassion if it's there. Miss Yim shares that one method she's used is to approach the issue obliquely or from the side. When the overconfidence of a project collaborator has started to become problematic, she uses her supervisory position in the team to intervene with a little experiment. She assigns them a harder task than she did to the other group members, one that was not impossible but would show up the limits of his current skill set. Then she observed his reaction to see what additional steps needed to be taken. The collaborator completed his task adequately, though less spectacularly than one might have expected from his confidence. Miss Yim was later pleasantly surprised to receive a note in which he thanked her for her guidance in the project and shared that it had been a useful experience in helping him realise that he had not known as much as he thought. Not everyone is going to be self-aware enough to react that way, but by doing little interventions like this, knowing how to work with different personalities, be approaching a matter obliquely, should be able to deal with the effect. If he had reacted negatively and blamed her for setting him a harder task, she would have referred to his impressive presentation skills to explain why she thought he could handle the tougher assignment. She should always respond to what they display. If his presentation was flashy and stylish, it would not be out of the question for me to set him a task at the level he's displayed. Ideally, everyone should receive frequent 360-degree feedback from bosses, subordinates and peers. This not only provides people with more information to help them assess themselves more accurately, but also helps make feedback sessions less intimidating and less likely to provoke a defensive reaction. See, I don't know if that would work. Having subordinates give feedback to a boss, that's never going to be, you know, accurate. Decision-making bodies like board companies should be cognizant of DKE-led behaviour, since the member's seniority and position might result in their receiving less feedback, overestimating their intelligence and knowledge in areas outside their expertise, proceeding to make ill-advised decisions. Lawrence Lowe, Director of the Centre for Governance Institute and Organisations at the NUS Business School, says companies should recruit non-directors with the relevant expertise to sit on technical board committees like risk management and investment. At the very least, companies must disclose in detail how experts have been leveraged upon to provide advice to the board committees so as to avoid the DKE. Creating a company culture of humility could also help. One way to get around this bias is to use perhaps an even stronger bias, like the tendency to copy others and to be influenced by other people's behaviour. If you create a culture where humility is valued and everybody is like that, you're exploiting the part of the human mind that wants to fit in. This culture will be more likely to make people who need improvement would otherwise be obstinate to feedback, sit down and learn what they need to learn. Moving down the chain of command, it gets harder to do much about the DKE in a peer, and even more so with the superior. Depending on the level of trust and rapport you have with the individual, you could gently offer your feedback and hope that it is received well. However, it is wise to check yourself if you're dissatisfied with your boss's performance and judge that they are suffering from the DKE. It's easy to conflate feelings of dissatisfaction with your life and your job with thinking that your superior displays the DKE, says Miss Yim. One thing to consider is that people react to the behaviour of others and your negative attitude could be fostering less than positive reactions from your boss, colouring your judgement of his or her job competence. In addition, studies have found that interpersonal warmth, rather than competence, 
is a determining factor for employees' like or dislike of their bosses. Sam Yam, another cool name, assistant professor of management and organization at the same school, NUS, says, if people say my boss is incompetent at his job, most of the time it's not about the boss being bad at whatever he does. Most of the time it's because the boss is not very socially warm, somewhat of a jerk, and you just don't like him for that reason. The competence part is used in an, as an argument to justify that dislike. No one wants to be a victim of the DKE, but it is difficult to eliminate a perception that originates in our own brains. While awareness of our susceptibility to the effect is the first step to avoiding it, a further mindset shift is required. One must adopt an attitude of humility and develop a state of constant desire to learn. This is particularly important when one is in a leadership position. From a leadership perspective, sometimes the best leaders are the most humble, says Wong Su Yen, founder of consultancy Bronze Phoenix. Best name. Bit on the nose, but hey. They are highly self-aware, recognize their limitations, and are genuinely curious and open to new ideas and experiences. They surround themselves with people who are as capable as or more capable than themselves. Changing one's mindset in this way is no easy task, says Martin Schruten, Singapore People and Organization Leader at PwC Southeast Asian Consulting. That's a mouthful, like all these consulting groups. They've got to come up with uh, snappier names. I think it's easy to read when you actually just when it's on the page, but then you have to sound it out. You're like, damn. There is a strong preconceived notion that as a leader, you have to be perfect, which arguably could cause people to mask their insecurities and present themselves overly confident. But a leader doesn't have to be perfect because he or she simply isn't. Embrace your imperfections and work with peers, subordinates and superiors who can do things you might not. On the plus side, embracing constant learning to stave off the DKE can also help one avoid one's skills or business becoming obsolete in the current age of disruption. To keep having to learn can be quite tiring. But to be fair, if you look at the history of all industries, they are always experiencing a time of disruption anyway. The more you learn, the more you realize what you don't know. And that's how you can disrupt things even more. That was a bit longer than I expected. There's next one's not too bad, actually. So I'll try and get through the next two on the next podcast because they're, they're both kind of short-ish. Though, to be fair, scrolling quickly is a bit different from reading it out loud. But I think, yeah, I can get the next two done in episode 72 because it's now nigh on... Oh, it's not too bad. It's just I'm hungry and uh, I wasted a lot of time just with the catch-up, I guess you call it. And you got that stupid noise. I'm running down the clock. So it's all good. I'm back at work early tomorrow and uh, hopefully it gets better because man, it's killing me right now. Bending over to pick up stuff. Do it long enough and get us all back, believe it or not. I'm definitely feeling my age. I'm not going to be homeless anytime soon. So there's always that. All right, so thanks for listening. If you have, if it's just me listening again in 20 years, um, yeah, I hope things have gotten better by now. All right, peace out, y'all. Love ya.